welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Uh, we got week 12 in the books. Uh, the teams at the top of college football, all winners, no major shakeups. We do have some major shakeups in the coaching ranks. Uh, we've got Les Miles introduced as Kansas' head coach here on Sunday as we're recording. Colorado will part ways with Mike McIntyre. The 2016 National Coach of the Year uh, is out. The, we will talk about where the Buffs want to go from here. Obviously, there is Maryland intrigue because that job still with interim coach Matt Canada, and they had uh, quite a performance against Ohio State on the field headlines as well. Barton Simmons, how was your week 12? What's up? What's up? My week 12 was was good. I was back home after two weeks on the road and um, got to got to absorb some ball. Um, scouting buddy was over. Last night, watch with me. Got to pick some some NFL minds as well, so uh, it was fun. It was a good weekend. What was your uh, the as as the noon slate was unfolding? Where was your attention lying? Uh, the noon slate. I mean, I think that was uh, Ohio State, right? Yeah that that was my that was my primary screen right there. Yeah, was Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not only was it just compelling and intriguing to see what was gonna transpire i mean were they going to lose this game um but it was an entertaining game it was i mean there was big plays all over the place which is part of the story here is ohio state can't stop squat um but it was uh it was it was big play central and it was uh urban meyer was just anguished with every big play and every big call all game long so that was was that that caught my attention for sure so, was was that was that your 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 main your main viewing no all right well? so i had to bail on it midway through for my main screen because i was doing the live blog for notre dame syracuse and notre dame syracuse yep. had that awkward 2 30 p.m eastern time start which kind of had it you know nestled between you know it's like half even like i i really got it going and he locked into it for the live blog, I guess, around 2. So even some games were still at halftime from the noon slate. Uh, you know, Then all of a sudden it ends before the 3.30 games are over. It was it was tucked away in a little corner, which you know, I, I'm wildly impressed with the Fighting Irish, and I'm sure that we can get into that. But I wanted to ask you, you know, from, from paying closer attention to it, when, when I left that game, I swore, I was like, all right, Ohio State is really – really playing like very very poorly right now and jk dobbins is breaking off a couple runs and like you know they'll they'll be a jump ball or two that ohio state is getting but man like mcfarland is running all over this ohio state defense the ohio state defense that i i sort of been over backwards complimenting from the week before and, and listen some astute listeners were good to call me out saying that that was way more about michigan state than it was necessarily about greg shiano or ohio state so I wanted to ask you, like, well, did you see anything from Ohio, St- essentially an Ohio State comeback victory that puts you any closer to where we were last week where we were like, all right, we have got to come up with an idea that Ohio State can make the college football playoff? Because I look at 
Ohio State's profile and I think about the the feelings that I've had. And no selection committee member is going to base this on feelings, but they just don't they don't look like a championship team to me. They do not seem like they've been playing championship football for almost the entire season. Yeah, and but I was thinking about this before we jumped on this this afternoon is like like at 10 and 1 everyone is disgusted with Ohio State. <laughs> like at, at 10 and 1 they are like repulsive. It's like really <laughs> This is the bar we're judging Ohio State on. They're still ten and one. Their offense is still really good. I, I, and I say that not to be an Ohio State defender. I mean, I think that they're they are flawed. I mean, I, I when I, we we uh, filled out our CBS poll to turn in today, I think I still had them tenth, um, and which is one up one spot higher than last week after West Virginia lost. They're still the you know the the worst one loss team. So they are what they are. But they're still ten and one, and and I and their issues, and I and I I I kind of um, you know mad at myself for not kind of catching this in the in the you know the preview for this game and in our picks and everything is sort of look that the the issues are on the back end, they're not necessarily on the defensive line. Um, they're on the they're in the linebacker group and in the secondary. And not only are those guys giving up big plays in the pass game, but they're giving up big plays in the run game. If you can find ways to to put those guys in conflict, you're going to have some some success. Well, if you got problems, and I tweeted this during the game, like if you got problems fitting the run game, if 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 you've got some assignment issues, then there's no one worse to play than Matt Canada. And you can Matt Canada is I feel like I'm sort of always you know beating the Matt Canada drum, which and probably probably more so than he deserves. But he's he's really good at creating jet sweep motion, at creating misdirection, at getting your eyes to look at the wrong thing and then you know spit somebody out at you right as you're running upfield. And that's what he did. And Ohio State didn't have an answer for it. Fortunately there Maryland didn't have an answer for Ohio State's defense either. So they won, and probably Maryland. You know, Maryland was maybe the better team, but they won, and they're still ten and one. And as they go into Michigan, I think Michigan's a better team. I think Michigan should be favored. I think Michigan should win. I expect Michigan to win, but if they play ten times, Ohio State probably wins three or four. I still think that there, there's, there's going to be a very, there's a path here for Ohio State to win this game, and so. I, that that my mind didn't change from this Maryland game in that regard. In fact, it, it, in some ways, if Ohio State had lost that game, it almost makes me more confident that Ohio State's got a got a chance to to beat Michigan. So it's it's a it was a really interesting game, um, and and yet it was you know it was just another it was another opportunity for everybody to to just sort of beat up on Ohio State a little more and Urban Meyer. Yeah, but I like okay. Let's get to the Urban Meyer part in a little bit, but I do want to make this. Uh, come back to this against Maryland. I agree with you. Maryland appeared to be the better team. Five and six Maryland looked like the better team than ten and one Ohio State against Nebraska. Against four and seven Nebraska, I can't say Ohio State definitely looked like the best team for the entire game. And against Purdue, the five and six Purdue Boilermakers 
they definitely didn't look like the better team. So in three out of the last four games against sub-500 teams, Ohio State, yes, has been victorious, but just hasn't looked great. And I think that if we're going to be talking about, you know, four best teams and, and I, I, I mean, honestly, that's probably why they are listed in the college football playoff selection committee rankings behind other one loss teams, because if it was just on talent and brand alone, they should be one of the top one loss teams and they're not, but man, it's just, uh, I'm because I'm coming, yeah. I'm coming back to what you're saying though, like this, but yeah, this team can still beat Michigan. Yeah, and that's all I'm. That's all I'm saying is they can. I mean, they. I like. I don't want to. I. I don't. I don't. I don't think that they. I don't think they should be in the playoffs. If they go, if they go, if they beat Michigan, and if they went out, I. They are still probably the last team I want in. If Oklahoma wins out, I want them in over. If Washington State wins out, there. Even if, and I. I talked about this last week about how like well the perception of Ohio State's going to change if they beat Michigan well even if they beat Ohio State and then Northwestern I think you could argue Washington State has been more consistent all year long and would deserve that spot over Ohio State and so I'm not I'm not, I'm not arguing that they're like a better you know a better team than anyone's saying that they are I think I agree with what everyone's saying I just think it's an interesting it's it's interesting to see the way everyone is reacting to a to a one loss team here with just total disdain and 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 they had 688 yards of offense against Maryland. Like we, I say it that you know Maryland is probably the better team. I don't. I mean, maybe that's not true, really. I mean, Ohio State had like a fumble in the red zone. They had they had some like some opportunities to to create more separation and and just couldn't take advantage of it they just got a bad defense I mean, that's just sort of what what we thought was a really good defense it's just a team that doesn't have a great defense so they probably shouldn't be i mean look what oklahoma did i mean they they gave kansas its its highest offensive output of the year um they're just a they're a bad defense well you know ohio state's a really good offense bad defense too and so uh i i think it's i just think it's uh it's interesting how the narrative has sort of, uh, and and I think they're they're held to a different a different standard than than most. You know what's uh, going to be really if we end up having, uh, you know, everybody always calls them what the chaos scenarios or the arm playoff Armageddon. They you know trying to come up with whatever's going to create the most amount of yelling. I don't think that there is going to be uh, a single conference that feel like like every conference is going to feel like their conference is the toughest and and the you know almost build in a strength of schedule but everyone is everyone has been bad enough that everyone's strength of schedule like they're going to have numbers beside it but listen to this Ohio State has one win against a team with seven or more wins right now like you can't yeah. you, you can't be like oh Big 10 champion the Big 10 is great you know, big Big Ten, they got to get in there. Like it's just, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Michigan only has three wins against teams, against teams who have seven or more wins at this point. Yeah, like there's this. If if anyone says, oh, they haven't played anybody, whether it's Alabama or oh, oh, by the way, Clemson has seven wins against teams with seven or more victories. Wow, 
that's but the, but, the, but the ACC's down, right? <laughs> right. It's yeah. So, <laughs> like it's, that's it's it. The all the yelling, the, the just like the noise of oh, I hadn't played anybody. Ah, like, look at their record. Look at their schedule. Like everybody in the country this year is it is sitting here at six and five or seven and four. <laughs> right. Like they're all they. Everyone is. So like, let's stop acting. Let's stop acting so pretentious about what your team schedule is versus their team schedule. Other than Alabama and Clemson and maybe Notre Dame now, everyone's kind of the same. I mean, there's you got your top seven or eight, you got everybody else, and then you got your bottom 40. Like, that's that's it. Uh, and so, it, 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 so, yeah, like, but I think we're still at the, I mean, the Armageddon scenario is, is Georgia beats Alabama. Because right. I think Alabama still has to get in, and then, and then no matter what happens with Michigan, I mean, even if they bumble around and beat Ohio State by one, and it's a sloppy game, and they don't look good against Northwestern, like you just that's just gonna be chaos if Michigan gets left out with a with a one loss Alabama and two SEC teams getting in for the second year in a row. So that that remains like I think our our scenario that we're rooting for if you want. A lot of unhappy people in a playoff shakeup, um, but it's uh, and you know what? I mean, hey, I think all of a sudden, like I said, I think Washington State is starting to earn a, a spot at the table. I agree. Of like, show us, show us some some respect. I don't think that the gap between why I hope I didn't use this line. I stumbled into it on doing a whole bunch of CBS Sports Radio on Saturday. Um, I don't think the gap between Washington State and the rest of the Pac-12 is as significant as it looks in the standings. But I do think that Washington State has proven, both by winning high-scoring games, by winning low-scoring games, by winning in blowouts, and winning in close fashion, they have proven to be a championship-caliber team. Now, that most likely means a Pac-12 championship. Um, But they at least deserve a seat at the table. I'm 100% with you right there. Do you have an early prediction on Washington, Washington State? Washington. Yeah, probably, but I don't know. I don't know. It's starting to warm up to this Washington State team. It's taken me, it's taken me 11 weeks. We, well, we, I'm we, finally we, starting to warm we up. We buried ourselves into a Washington State under in July that we've yeah. spent the last four months trying to talk ourselves out of. Yeah, I've been stub- stubbornly pissed off that they <laughs> made my under look so horrible. But you know what? It's it's I, I'm gonna give. Hey, I'm gonna give I'm gonna it to Gardner. I'm gonna give Gardner credit. That's what I'm right, gonna do. Right. Yeah. Like, look, they, the, Mike Leach, and everybody over there, Tracy Clay's, and everyone deserves credit. But Gardner Minshew is is the is the straw that's stirring that drink that I didn't quite know that they had. And I don't know yes. that that's the difference between them being eleven and one and and five and seven. Uh, probably isn't. They probably still would have been, you know, an over team, but. Uh, it sure he, he, I mean, he deserves it. I, I hope he's in New York. I'll put it that way. Um, he better be right there alongside Kyler and Tua. So let's, uh, but look, how about this? Let's get to Notre Dame. Um, because now, you know, we were talking about what's your call for Washington state, Washington. I feel coming out of that Syracuse game more confident and normally like you know we talk about the ups and downs of a college football season Notre Dame takes care of business checks all the boxes championship caliber you know dominant win 
all, all those things, then you're like, uh-oh, so the, here's the scary, the scary game against USC, especially after USC loses to UCLA. Do you think Clay Helton's coaching in that game? And are you scared? Because again, after doing the live blog and being locked in and having to write a bunch about Notre Dame on all this week, because I did all the Syracuse stuff too, and I, I feel more confident now that they are going to do this thing, that they are going to go, and it might be ugly, but I do not think that this team, and in particular, this defense, is not going to let itself like trip right now. It's just not going to happen. I feel very, very confident punching a ticket and saying Notre Dame is not going to have to sweat. They are going to go to USC, and they're going to get that win, whether or not Clay Helton's on the sideline, and then they get to kick their feet up for a couple weeks and wait for their name to get called. Well, I think, yeah, I think this is this like that's Syracuse is always the game I was worried about with Notre Dame um, because I didn't think that Florida State was good enough on the offensive line, and I think I, I just think you you like USC. If you look at Notre Dame's schedule back in. Um, I'm pulling it up here. If you look at Notre Dame's schedule, and I and I look at starting at, you know, Virginia Tech was sort of a difference a difference maker to me. Like, all right, okay, they got through Stanford, they got through Virginia Tech on the road. Yeah, now, in, in Blacksburg, should, in Blacksburg, and so that I think that was the point where I was really firmly like they should go undefeated the rest of the way. And as I looked at the rest of the schedule with Pitt, Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USC, I was like. You know, Pitt could be tricky. Navy, whatever they should win at Northwestern could be a problem. Like that, that's a losable game. Syracuse and the Bronx could be a problem. That's a losable game. Like probably the 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 one game on that slate that was like the least intimidating for me, to, if I'm a Notre Dame person, was at USC. Like I think they will blow them out. And I think I think you I think Clay Helton will be the coach. And I think that will be the it will be a a bloody enough like loss for USC to where, okay, now we just lost to US two and eight USC team and then got beat by our rival Notre Dame by 40. I think it's time. Like, I think it's going to be that kind of game. And, uh, and I, and I, and part of it is, is it's, this is another team. Like it's take, do you remember, you remember two weeks ago in the playoff announcement deal? I feel like you just leaned in. Did you just lean in? It sounds like you just got excited. <laughs> no, I, I just I just pulled my mic away to do, to give a big like snort. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I I leaned in. I instinctively heard the tone in your voice, and I leaned in. I'm excited. All right, two weeks ago or however many weeks well, ago, playoff well, with announcement. With a playoff announcement, and they and they're talking about they're they're basically implying and and I, and everyone was was guilty of this. It was after Michigan came off of blowing out somebody, Penn State, I guess, and and. There's this like assumption that Michigan now is the clearly the third best team in the country, and I think we we toss it around some too, like we and and that you know like oh but could the committee possibly look at Michigan as being better than Notre Dame even though they've got a win over them and and like that was a scenario that everyone was talking even Mike Trico on, on Notre Dame broadcast the following weekend like addressed it and and here we are two weeks later. And Michigan had a uneventful win over Rutgers, kind of. I mean, 
almost loses to Indiana. I mean, it was a, maybe maybe there was never really like a uh, a question that they were going to win that, but certainly messes around. I mean, losing at halftime to a, a Indiana team that's not going to go to a bowl, and and now and meanwhile we got uh, Notre Dame who has who beat the Big Ten West champion, blew out Florida State, held Syracuse to three points, and may finish like by blowing out USC and like let's can can we circle back to that talk and be like that was ridiculous <laughs> right like weren't we just getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there I mean Notre Dame to me this Syracuse win was a was very much a statement I know Eric Dungy got hurt um and, but they dominated I mean I looked at the I didn't watch that game beginning to end but I mean they they had Syracuse had like 125 yards of offense deep into the fourth quarter yeah so that was a dominant game, and they're doing dominant stuff to te- to in the way you should do it against uh, not horrible competition. I mean, again, we're talking about a uh, a country full of six and five and seven and four teams, and and Notre Dame just beat one of them by thirty three. I Notre Dame's offense was hit on a few big plays, but. In terms of the the whole game and the way that it was flowing, like I think, I mean, I think Notre Dame might have finished averaging about like four or five yards per carry, but for the most part, like Syracuse did a really good job of uh, playing tough up front, you know, making life really hard for Dexter Williams and Jafar Armstrong. Like the they were able to get some success through the short passing game to counteract Alton Robinson and the rest of the Syracuse run game. One of the things I wrote about was I think Chip Long's done a great job managing this offense. And, you know, I, I try and balance giving coaches and the players credit, but he's dealt through he's gone through multiple quarterback changes because of performance and because of injury. Uh he's found different ways to do it. It just felt like he he had called a really good game because Syracuse was doing a, a really good job defensively and particularly in the red zone. I mean, Notre Dame had to settle for uh, several field goals in this game because of no, because of Syracuse standing up. But then on the other side, Notre Dame's defense just left no hope. And that's where it's like, even if Notre Dame dr- like just lays a stinker, if Ian Book plays one of the worst games of his career, I still think Notre Dame wins because that defense is just like, Man, they're they're just they're just playing grown grown man kind of football, and it's just different than most of the the teams and the players that they're competing against, particularly at this time in the season. I mean, they are so so good. Your boy Clark Lee, he has been getting deserved shine. Uh, I I think that is a that is a championship caliber group, and I you know they're gonna not have to worry about having the argument about being. Uh, against Michigan, and we mentioned this on the podcast, but the the teams that are playing on Championship Saturday are all teams that Notre Dame's beat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think w- with me with Notre Dame is they are they're they're kind of bullying people. Yes. They're, there you go. They're you know they're which is and and I really think and I've I've I've, I've dwelled on this probably a lot, but I mean like. When you watch, like last year, when I when I visited Notre Dame this past this summer, and and um, they were like, you know, one of the big differences 
this program has been the strength and conditioning coach. You know, we, he's been unbelievable, and, and these guys are, are, are so much stronger and more physically ready and beating teams in the fourth quarter, and that's how we beat USC last year. As you watch that game, we just beat them up in the fourth quarter, and that's why, like, this is, this is a, a Notre Dame team that will go into that USC game, and even if they're not on their A game, they're going to be stronger and, and tougher and more physical than USC. Oh, my gosh. And, that, and that's what a national championship or national, you know, title Ex- contender yeah. should look like. Yes. They're bullying teams, and that is the best thing. Bully, college fo- football, where bullying is a compliment. <laughs> uh, uh, did, you, did you get any uh, eyes on Michigan? Were you ever concerned that that was going to be an L? I didn't watch that game. I kind of, I mean, it, they... And as when you circle back and sort of evaluate what happened in that game, Michigan had a couple of turnovers and they kept on getting settling for field goals, but they weren't having like they weren't. It it appears that that was a game that was in hand. They just they just had to settle for a, a bunch of field goals, like right. six, I think, instead of you know. And and so, um, I, I'm not I'm not concerned about. I mean, that's a that was a letdown spot. Ohio State next week. You know they're just getting by that one, uh, but at the same time, it that's exactly what I was sort of pointing to a couple weeks ago, and I said like, let's see what like they may just sort of not look that, imp- they're not going to beat every team fifty-two to ten or whatever they beat ten state by. So let's see what they look like the rest of the way, and here they are. Sure enough, like a couple of just sort of ho hum whatever wins, and now we get to see what they do against Ohio State. Do you know uh, what Rashawn Gary's? Well, it's Michigan. I don't know why I'm asking, but hey, my note, like my big takeaway and note, it was just good to see Rashawn Gary healthy and making plays again. Yeah, but now Chase Winovich has got a little banged up in that game. Yeah, looks like so we got to, you know, hopefully he's going to be uh, healthy for the next one. Um, so that that'll be something to watch. What's your sure. What's your early? What, all right, you asked me about Apple Cup. What's your early read on uh, Ohio State Michigan? I mean, my early read is probably, I, I think, probably Michigan. I just, they're, you know, they're the better team. It's, uh, but, uh, it seems like it's going to be such a pros versus Joes game to pick where all the pros are taking the Buckeyes and all the Joes will take Michigan. Yeah. I wonder what the early line is. I hadn't checked. I don't know if you've seen one, but Mm-mm. that, I mean, I guess a couple weeks ago it was supposed to be like four, four and a half or something like that, uh, Michigan. So, uh, I don't know. That'd be hard to. That'd be hard to lay off that. It'd be. It would be hard to pick Ohio State, but I've. I mean, I'm gonna continue to, you know, to 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 to, to scream it like this is like let's not let's not assume this is a done deal. This is. I mean, Ohio State is still ten and freaking one. Like, I mean. <laughs> This is we got a game this weekend, boys. They may like, look they may look repulsive, but they're ten and one. They may disgust you with all your being, but they're <laughs> ten and one, and they just put up seven hundred yards practically yeah. against a Maryland team that has not been horrible this this year defensively. All right. So speaking of impressions, the the billing of the evening and the discussion point of the evening, you know, UCF and the Knights, uh, they get, they win thirty eight to thirteen. They do anything for you, Barton? Do they do show anything to you? Because there's there is the clear-eyed analysis of UCF, and then there is just sort of the larger college football talking points. And I I can separate the two 
but I, I want to start on the larger, you know, I feel like this was the first time a lot of people probably invested a lot of time into uh, UCF. Do you believe that uh, th- this was a, a net positive for the Knights where they will see some kind of boost or change to their stocker status on Tuesday night? Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I give, I, they moved, they went up in my rankings. Like they went above Ooh. Ohio state, West Virginia lost UCF went above Ohio state. Like I genuinely think if they played, I think UCF, like I would pick UCF to win, I think. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I so yeah, I, because I, the way I've looked at, at UCF is, I mean, they're going to take everyone's best shot. I know this game was at, at home, but that that's, I mean, they, they, that was a good Cincinnati team uh, that they took their best shot and they, you know, they, they beat them. It wasn't even close. And so I think that's, I think that's, uh, that was a pretty strong statement by them. Uh, and I don't think they should be in the playoffs, but I will probably pick them to win whatever New Year's Six Bowl game that they land in. Do you think that they will definitely beat South Florida and win the AAC title game so that they can be in that running? Uh, is South Florida their last regular season game? Yes. Or is that who? Do, so who are they going to play in the title game? Is that are they going to maybe play Memphis in the title game? I think Houston and Memphis are playing on Friday or Saturday. Winner goes to the AAC title game. I think they're going to be. I think they are going to house USF. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna run it up on them. More likely that they get caught in a funky game with Houston or Memphis than I getting caught Memphis, by their rival. Here is what uh, when I was at Memphis um, this this summer uh, for a camp, uh, I was talking to some of the the Memphis guys, the, some of the coaches, and they're like, you know, our our, our head guy's unbelievable. They're like, if he gets you twice, if he gets a look at you a second time, eh, like y- y- you're in trouble. And so I think if Memphis gets to that game, I just think that Norvell is good enough, having already seen that defense once, that he could – and look, they they only lost by one the last time. I know. They should have won. I know. <laughs> I, I, if I'm – I think I, I don't think Houston beats them. But I think if Memphis gets in there, I think they could beat them. Um, what would you make of uh, the Ed Oliver major Applewhite fracas? I don't know. I'm actually torn on this. What? What was? Where? Where's your? Uh, where, where do you come down on this one? That um, the number one, the enforcement of the rule was a power. Like I can't. I'm not gonna yell about the rule. Like, the rule. Like the rule is stupid. Yes, but there's a lot of stupid rules when you've got a hundred student athletes and support staff, and and there's like one bin and you're like, all right, this bin is the jackets for the players. And this bin, you know, like you've it's organizational stuff. The enforcement of the rule was a power move by a head coach who is becoming increasingly frustrated that he did not have any power or leverage against over his best player. And college football coaches are very used to having power and leverage over all players. And, uh, that was more telling than anything else was when Laura Rutledge reported that, uh, Major Applewhite confirmed the jacket was the reason for the dust up. And when he asked if Ed Oliver was allowed to come out of the locker room, Major Applewhite said, quote, Ed Oliver is going to do whatever Ed Oliver wants to do. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So he's just he's just fed up. Uh, he he's fed up of not having any power. And you know, he did. He thought that probably Ed wasn't going to be coming back, or if if so, it I would not assume that Ed Oliver would play again for Houston at this point. But I don't. I don't fault Ed Oliver. Do you? Yeah. I, I think Ed Oliver – look, I, I come from a little bit of a – like a – I saw people like Marcus Spears tweeting about this, being like, that's on the coach. Like, this is – you know, you don't treat every player the same. Like, they're, Ed Oliver isn't the same as all the other players. And – I don't know. I just can't really relate to that as well because I didn't play in the NFL. Uh, I played in college with some guys that played in the NFL, but they weren't. We didn't like. I was, uh, you know, I was among the best players on, you know, the teams I played on, and I wasn't treated differently. Like I, we didn't treat the guys that got drafted differently. Like, but that might be just a different world. Like, it's maybe I'm just coming from a different place. But I, I'm more on the coach's side here. Like, dude, like. This is the rule. I'm t- I told you the rule. Take take the jacket off. And maybe he shouldn't have like pulled it off physically. Maybe that was where like he, he went wrong. But I don't know what he's what's the coach supposed to do there. I mean, just so I, I'm I'm a little bit torn on this one. Like, like I think it was just a no win situation for anybody. I think Ed Oliver overreacted. Obviously, uh, I mean, but that's the guys. Ed Oliver is sort of a alpha and that's why he's really good i mean he's a beast like (laughs) Like, he was he was the the superstar recruit who turned down all the opportunities to go elsewhere i mean like the like all of i mean isn't he from houston right hometown yeah yeah Uh, no doubt i mean that that guy that yeah the houston football program owes that oliver a lot yes Yes. i and i and i think that if i am ed oliver and and he committed to Tom Herman, right? He did, yeah. Yeah. But Major he, Apply was on the staff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, you know, Tom Herman, Major Applewhite. Uh I could I could see Ed Oliver being like, Whoa, 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 you wanna like check my credentials? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I'm not like I'm not like going hard in the paint for Major Applewhite here. I, I'm I'm very torn on this. Because uh, I get that side of it too. Like, you know what? Maybe Ed Oliver, of all people, does get to wear the, the freaking jacket, <laughs> right. even though he's not an active player. Yes, like, I I get that. I get that side of it. So I'm I'm very uh, I'm 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 straddling both sides on this one. I just I think probably both could have handled it better. Uh, I think it was a poor uh, poker play by Major. Because if there was a chance that you're going to get Ed Oliver back. Uh, I think his power move, I, I hope whatever culture he was trying to drive in and that program ends up working for him because, uh, right. you know, like, cause I, yeah, coaches, I mean, you, you, you stuck your hand in the dirt. Correct me if I'm wrong. Coaches will often do make an example to be able to try and ind- indicate some sort of shift or culture change or send some message, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I saw. Yeah, I, mean, I saw a head coach who was losing his leverage uh, with a player, try to gain some back, and it blew up in his face. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. 
and Oliver called his bluff on that power move. Right. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, hey, look, uh, yeah, that's a, that was a, that was a tough one for me. Hey, he, you know, and if he's out here like no one's bigger than the team, that's hey, that's a good example for it. But uh, doesn't get you at Oliver back in the lineup for these key games that could decide the conference championship. No. So speaking of Mike Norvell and the uh, coaching carousel, I, I hope we'll get a chance to. Link, I'm sure at some point we'll be it will very soon we will be linking up with Dennis Dodd, uh, who of course has all the uh, the the insider analysis from the coaching search. He is, I think, at this moment. Uh, on Kansas's campus, preparing for the Les Miles press conference. Uh, early, early reactions to Les to Kansas. Felt like we saw this one coming. Where do you stand? Because it does seem to be among the more. Uh, it has been more divisive in my little sliver of the reaction that I've been able to see from the analyst standpoint. I would say Kansas fans, for the most part, are hard to find reactions from. But like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just it's I can't say that I've got a good finger on the pulse of what the Kansas football diehards were ever, like what they think here. I, I I was surprised that people uh, went hard on the uh, un sort of unimpressed uh, lane on the less miles higher. This this is a this is one I. I I bet you Kansas fans like it because he's a big name and like it sort of brings some cachet to Kansas and he'll be entertaining. And I, Hey, look, if I'm a can, if I'm a Kansas fan, I'm probably feeling good about it. Even if I'm not sure it's going to work out just because look, man, we're, everyone's going to be talking about Kansas for a little bit. Now we're kind of feeling relevant about this deal. Um, I do not think that this is the best hire they could have made, but I also understand why they made it. I think this will be a very, okay hire i think he'll i think he'll win you know he'll cycle up and win five games here and there uh i think that they'll never break through and get back to being sort of some nine-win kansas team under less miles sure but i think i think he'll make them relevant uh well maybe not relevant i think he'll make them competitive that's a better word probably uh and but and but yet i like i think it's this this hire sounds better in the press release probably than it is in in theory, but it still can be an okay hire. Like he can still be someone that sort of gets this program better. I think that Les Miles to Kansas is a great hire because you need attention and you need excitement and Man, like that team right now, it's a pretty good roster for Kansas, for Kansas yeah. football. And, you know, we, we when we had Dennis on last time, I think he had hinted either on the podcast or off that, you know, should Les get the job, he'd already had in mind what kind of staff he's looking to put together. If he puts together a good staff with the struggles that we're seeing at Kansas State, with where Baylor is at, like there's no reason why Kansas – and Baylor, there's no reason why Kansas can't be on Baylor's level. There's no reason yeah. why Kansas has to be number 10 in the Big 12 every single year 
and I do think that Les Miles is a good football coach who can get Kansas out of being 10th every year to be in, in the mix for 7th, uh, to winning at least uh, maybe a ga- two conference games a year, knock out a couple. And you're right. like, And that's flirting with bowl contention. That's five wins. That's six wins. You get you get back to the the postseason. You get back to the you get back to the postseason and then come back again. If Les can get two bowl appearances in six years, retire at the age of seventy, then whoever gets that job next is getting it much, much, much better than anyone has who's taken the Kansas job in about ten years. And I think that's a real and you know, we we heard about it from the Les's big job is gonna be raising money. He's got to be going around and he's got to be meeting people and talking to people and he's going to be so good at that and they're going to take that support staff. I mean, Jeff Long, he knows what uh, a top-notch Power 5 football program should be operating like from an investment standpoint. And I I, I think that, that the, the combination of those two, I, I think that they can take – uh, the infrastructure of Kansas football and upgrade it. And that's about all, all you really want from this hire. And that, I think that puts Kansas football in a better position down the line than if they take this broken, beat up old pickup truck and hand it to somebody who can drive real well. And they're like, all right, first fix the car and then take it to the race. I think if Les Miles is willing to be that guy, for that program is probably a great hire. Do you think that maybe he's not? So, uh, sorry, I thought I lost you there for a minute. I think I, I I think that if he's willing to be the um, the bridge, be the yeah the or, or the the face, the fundraiser, the the CEO, then great. But Les has always had his hands on the offense, and that's why it's always looked boring and 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 clunky at LSU and so I think what he hires his coordinator is going to be telling and I think will he take his hands off and and let him let that coordinator coach will be telling and so you know if 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 he's willing to let someone really be the coordinator and Les Miles just is a recruiter and a a face and a fundraiser it probably is the right hire um, and maybe he can hand it off to, you know, to someone with a, a program that's consistently, you know, oscillating between five and seven, six and six and, and the occasional seven and five, uh, that's, then that's a, you, then you're handing it off in a healthy place. So that'll be, that'll be very interesting to see. Um, as Colorado becomes open with Mike McIntyre out the, I think that we've discussed this a little bit that it's not uh, obviously just the on-field direction, but there was uh, off-field issues that have come up along the way across the last three or four years, that among them a dispute between a- an assistant that, uh, you know, sort of like went under the radar, at least in terms of, like the, the Colorado story was almost Ohio State, Zach Smith, but because it was Colorado, did not get anywhere close to the publicity for it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that was kind of a bad deal. Uh, and I and I kind of when he got fired, I was a little, when when the when the news broke last week. Um, 
and that you know some local TV station reporting that he was going to be fired. I was almost like caught off guard because we are two years removed from being national coach of the year and being what a ten win guy. Yep. Uh, but but when you throw that in there, that incident, when you throw the fact that he's been there for six years, and yes, they had a ways to go, but now we're we're looking at five of the six years he hadn't had winning seasons. So what's the outlier here? Um, I guess ultimately, and and did you watch any of that press conference post game? No, it was very awkward. It was like this is this was a, um, you know this is <laughs> this is what happens when a coach knows he's going to be fired, hasn't been fired yet, and all of the media is asking him about his job security, and he tries to do it with a smile on his face. It was it was a it was a cringeworthy presser, but uh, it, it's it just sort of feels like everyone was sort of fed up with him or. Just wasn't it? It just was no longer the marriage was no longer working. I mean, he lost Jim Levitt to Oregon, and Jim Levitt probably uh, gets a lot of credit because of how good that defense was playing and how well that defense was developed. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't know. So that job is fascinating to me, and they I got asked on CBS Sports Radio about it, and I don't know if that is particularly enticing job like does Colorado probably is not going to hire another sitting power five head coach right uh I would yes I would think that's true like they're not like Dino Babers Dana Holgerson um trying to think who else I mean historically speaking now we're, we're sort of in a place where Colorado is a lateral move for like a Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 sort of disappointing cuz because of the tradition there and not the Syracuse. I mean Syracuse got some tradition too, but I miss mean, Colorado was kind of fun when when Colorado's good, you know? And um that that's I'd like to see them good again, you know. So, uh athletic athletic director Rick George Reportedly, according to Adam Rittenberg, wants a, recogni- a recognizable name with previous head coaching experience. Possible candidates include Jeff Tedford, Brian Harson, uh, Mark Helfrich, and Dana Holgerson. Who, yeah, are, according yeah, to Ritten- according to Rittenberg, might be looking to get out of Morgantown. Well, Holgerson, I feel like has been that's been a that I feel like that's been something that's been brewing for every year. It seems like he's either going to get fired or going to leave and. Uh, but those names make sense. I mean, and then probably I think those those would be good hires. I think. I mean, Tedford is. I mean, what? I mean, look what he's done at Fresno State. I know he is crushing it with the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> that team was one of the worst in college football, and in, in one year they were like. So that I mean, and then uh, I think Brian Harson. I mean. The consistency he's brought to Boise State, I mean, or the the consistency he's he's continued at Boise State, um, and you know Dana Holgerson, you know he's he's probably going to get a certain level of success anywhere he goes too. So, uh, yeah, I think those are those are interesting and and probably pretty good options there uh, for best you can do, or at least at Call of Colorado if that's what you're looking for. What do you think is the next job to come open? 
Well, I mean, the small ones are popping right now. Charlotte came open sort of as we've been talking. Wow. Uh, Texas State has come open. Poor Everett, uh, Everett Weathers, my man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's uh, uh, what, what's what's else? What else is out there here? What are our options? I mean, USC. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, we, I mean, <laughs> per- Purdue could become open if Jeff Brom is introduced on. According to USC's, Dan Dockett, I, I, I gotta think USC will come open if they lose next weekend. Unless they upset Notre Dame, I gotta think that will come open. I, I think not. I think Paul Johnson has already, with a seven-win season, guaranteed that the uh, firing squad has been called off. I right. am, I am very nervous about my boy Bud Foster. Yeah, Larry, yeah, you're. Uh, go you, ahead. You think, you think Bud Foster may be maybe gone? I I hate I I do not think that that is a good idea i do not think that that is uh applicable to the work that he has done or the the sort of the coaching skills that he has but the lack of preparedness and the way that virginia tech's defense has looked over the last like four weeks has a lot of people screaming and yelling his name and not in good ways and like i don't know we'll see i hope i hope that's not the case but if uh virginia tech loses to Virginia, and Virginia, of all teams, is able to have a wild offensive performance, I would say keep your eyes on that one. That would be a stunner, but I think it's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this this would be, for, for the really, like, hardcore college football folks, this could be, like, a really sort of fun carousel because there's a bunch of the low-level jobs, so we could see a bunch of the, like, coordinators or you know um up and comers sort of take that that first that first head coaching opportunity uh and uh and see what they could do so i'm kind of interested in seeing how this plays out you know maybe like a umass could come open to something like that so uh interesting um should be interesting to watch uab you think bill clark is out of there i just don't know where he's going like who's 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 what's the job he's gonna go take i don't know he's cycle I think he's on the verge of winning National Coach of the Year, and he'll have options, though. No, I'm not saying. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think he's good enough to go somewhere else. I just like, what's the job? Like, he's a Southern guy. Like, I, I don't see him as a guy getting out of that southeastern sort of Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia footprint. So, what's the job that fits him that's coming open? I, I don't know that I see it right now. Oh no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, man! That, Auburn, Auburn made my freaking Liberty pick look like, a, like, like a pretty bad one there. They they rolled Liberty. What'd you so. think about uh, before we get out of here? What'd you think about Texas and our, our situation in the Texas has with a win against Kansas? Texas will be in the Big Twelve championship. How about that? Yeah, Oklahoma uh, West Virginia is an elimination game. Is that the way it plays out? So Oklahoma, so winner of that game is in, and Texas just has to beat Kansas in there. Correct. Well, you know what? That's pretty back. If you're, the, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the championship game, you're pretty back. I said, what did I say? I said they they've got to get they've got to get to the Big Twelve championship game multiple times over for me to get there. Uh, yes, but. 
hey, in order to get to multiple, you got to get to one. That's true. And they're they're on the way. They're on the way. So good. Yeah. Props to Texas. You know. Okay. Cool. Hook them. Um, my only uh, one of my very few picks. Damn, you and I both had bad weeks. I had a bad week, and I didn't even. I, I my. It was a frustrating week because I didn't even like go and I felt pretty good about my lineup. They just they didn't take care of me. West Virginia and Ohio State picking a couple front runners blows up in my face, but I got that Florida State win. Were you sweating that one out like I was? I was, yeah. And that it it one I, I, one big play, man. One fourth quarter big play was a difference. I know. Ah, yeah. Florida State's gonna get it done against the Gators. We're going you bowling. You think? Yeah. Is that your early your 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 early Sunday afternoon shot? Yep. Absolutely. Right. Let's go. And I feel even better right. about it that they got to light up the scoreboard against Idaho. Yeah, they they got a little exercise. Yeah, Florida Florida fans uh you know you know how they've always got nice clear-eyed sober view of their team right florida fans florida fans were excited about like highest passing yardage total in a game since 2009 like whoa 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 whoa! idaho is literally transitioning down to fcs right now (laughs) yeah you don't get to count these uh that's a nice little little saturday jog yeah. So yeah, I, I I like Florida State. That's my that's my early call, my shot, and I'm probably going to be on Michigan too, even though I'm gonna hate it the whole way. I just don't want to, I don't I don't want to win if Ohio State ends up being in the mix. Right. Just, I don't. I, I want to lose with everybody else, but that's all I've got figured out. We'll be doing. By the way, uh, we'll be doing our one. I guess we'll be doing playoff rankings reaction on Tuesday night. We will be recording our locks on Wednesday. Uh, so make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. Anything else from the notepad out of watching games yesterday? Uh, no, man. That's that's uh, ready uh, Ready for rivalry week. Ready for uh, ready to get this playoff figured out. You didn't even get to talk about the, uh, the game. I know. Well, there's nothing to talk about. You don't want to talk about it? Harvard, Harvard got us. <laughs> Rough fourth quarter. Rough fourth quarter, for sure. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Sir. Sure.